a special audio program exploring the artistic and curatorial voices behind recent exhibitions and programs at Shangri-La. I'm Karima Dowdy, Public Programs and Special Events Coordinator at the Shangri-La Museum of Islamic Art, Culture, and Design in Honolulu, Hawaii. In this three-part series, we explore the work of Shangri-La's first Hawaii-based artist-in-residence, Kamran Samimi. Of Iranian and Scandinavian heritage, Kamran grew up in rural Laupahoehoe on Hawaii Island. He holds a BFA in printmaking and an MFA in sculpture and print media from the University of Hawaii at Manoa. His work has been shown extensively across Hawaii and around the world. Kamran participated in a residency at Shangri-La from January 1st, 2020 to February 28th, 2021, during which time he created two exhibitions of original work. In part three of this series, Kamran talks with one of his artistic influences, his father, Jamil Samimi. Together, they explore notions about the truth of the universe, spirituality and philosophy, art and science, nature, and Star Wars. So um, maybe we can start by, how would you describe, um, or, or whatever way you, you kind of interpret this question, but how would you describe my artwork? What are some words that connect in your mind connect to my work and huh, huh, huh. that's that's a little bit hard because it's it's pretty visceral for me um as far as trying to describe it's kind of like how do you describe it's not a set piece like you can't describe a building um because there's so many different elements. There's, uh, it's organic, it's geometric, it's, uh, it, it captures an image, but at the same time, there's a flow to it. Um, I like the way you use different materials in unconventional ways. Um, you know, wood, you could just like carve a sculpture out of it, but you choose to do other things with it. Um, stone, again, you know, like a stone sculpture stereotypically is a carving made out of stone but for the most part your manipulation of it is is kind of minimal uh, so i don't know it's uh, i guess minimal that would be one way of uh, your artwork has a minimalist aspect to it it does there even the like the suiseki which are made up of segments segmented pieces are in a sense minimalist. Um, there's a lot going on, but with very few parts and pieces, seems like to me. What are some things that, and you elaborated a little bit on, on connections that in your mind, um, but what are some things that my work 
like makes you feel or makes you think or or how do you respond do you can you find words for those feelings or thoughts there's a lot of calmness hmm. um and i say that knowing that our reality is shaped by our perception. So that's how I perceive it. Perhaps someone in, a, in a, a turbulent state of mind might see a cut up piece of stone and think, oh, that's like really vibrant and there's a lot going on there and so on and so forth, you know. Um, or one of your wooden pieces that are cut segmented um, or broken stone. Um, so I think, for me anyway, the feeling is, comes out of me. You know, my, my feeling for your artwork comes out of me. And maybe in discussion with someone else, you would get a different a feeling response. Mm-hmm. And I think, in a way, unless you're very specifically trying to elicit a certain response from the viewer, my feeling about art is that the art is done, yes, for the artist, but it's done for the viewer. It's a service to the viewer. This is, this is how you share with the viewer. And the viewer's interpretation is what is meaningful to them. You know, I think it would be, you know, case in point, like the, your piece at the Honolulu Museum of Art. People go, oh, those are cool looking angel wings. You know, and so for some people, that's what it looks like. And you can say that wasn't my intention, but you can't say, no, that's not what it looks like. Because to the viewer, that is what it looks like, or to that viewer. <laughs> Especially yeah. the one image of you sitting in front of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so maybe that was intentional on your part. <laughs> maybe it was just one of those serendipitous things I thought it was going to look really cool, actually, me standing in front of it. And then it appeared to be angel wings like, oh, that's not what I looked like in my mind. (laughs) But but no, I I mean, I'm glad you made that point, because I think that it's it is true about art. You know, the artists can have their intention. And we were actually just talking about this, you know, half an hour ago. Um, Mm. uh, I can have my intention for the creation, but that is not the right the only right definition of right. what the art is. Your response, as you mentioned, is completely accurate too. That's your reality. That's your truth. And they're both, they're both true, you know? They're both valid. They're both valid, yeah. I, yeah. And it, it has to be that way. Because yeah. an, an, an art piece, in my opinion, an art piece that the artist insists 
represents a certain thing feels a little selfish on the part of the artist. It's sort of like, oh, it can only mean this, or it can only mean that, you know, that it's sort of like, okay, well, so who did you make it for? If you made it for yourself, go put it in your bedroom or whatever, you know, or yeah. are you, and I shouldn't say that because there are some great works of art where the artist had a certain intention and yeah, people look at it and they see the artist's intention in it. And it's very obvious. And it's still a great work of art and it's still appreciative and it's still a service in that it's um, bringing beauty to the world. You know, and that's, that's part of your job. You know, I mean, it's part of everybody's job. We're, we're, we're meant to be servants, not masters. You know, that's my belief. But, but I want this to be just as much about you too, you know, and, and I appreciate you kind of adding your perspective on it. And, and I think what you were just kind of getting at, um, maybe if, if you don't mind sort of expanding that or talking more about your background, your worldview, your, uh, your feeling of your place in this world, what you found that to be. Um, and, and you sort of mentioned like seeing the artist's role and ultimately all of our roles as, you know, we're meant to be servants, not masters. I think that's an interesting phrase or, or way to say it. Um, mm. you want, can you talk a little bit more about that idea? Well, some of that comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, some of that comes from the fact that I grew up in the Baha'i faith and the perspective in the Baha'i faith is that, for me anyway, and I don't know if you know, you know about the um, individual interpretation of the truth. So that's one of the basic principles of the Baha'i faith. And to me, it talks about the fact that to worship God, there's nothing we can do for God. But true worship is doing for God's creation. And so the form that my worship can take is doing for my fellow humans and the environment and the world and critters and whatever, whatever, you know? And so it's sort of like, and in there is the fact that I do this for myself because I believe that my advancement in this world and thus my position in the next, whatever that looks like, I have no idea. But the element of faith tells me that um, our station in the world to come is based on our deeds in this world. And so basically it's, it's like do for your fellow human, you know? And so work in the spirit of service is worship. So whatever, whatever your work is, 
whether you're a garbage man, whether you're an artist, whether you're a pool builder, like I was for many years, or a mechanic, when you do it to the best of your ability and you do it with an attitude of service to your fellow human, you're worshiping. And thus advancing, advancing or evolving the soul, evolving the spiritual part of me, which is the real me, not this, what is it Yoda says? Not this thing of uh, crude, not this crude matter. You know, luminous beings are we, <laughs> not this crude matter. And that, yeah. that's like the whole Star Wars series. That one line is probably that stayed with me the longest is him poking Luke in the chest and saying, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. We get stuck catering to this crude matter. You know, we do all these things, the fancy homes and fancy lifestyle and, and fancy foods and all this stuff to serve, to serve this, you know? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I mean this is a tangent but it's so related. I mean dad you know this so well how obsessed I was with Star Wars for most of my <laughs> life. Yes. But to to hear you say that quote I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> it brought tears to my eyes just now because mm-hmm. that one as you said that one quote is to me like that's the the truth of the universe mm-hmm. of my universe you know that's mm-hmm. and i think religion is a way that we express that and we explore that and mm-hmm. for me my art practice is a way that i express and explore that too and so mm-hmm. you know um in a sense my practice is is my spirituality that is my connection mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. that luminosity within me and mm-hmm. the luminosity without me too you know and mm-hmm. and the fact that i am that that thing you know mm-hmm. and maybe i won't i don't try and speak for you but um do you feel like in that same sense you are one with with god or one with all of creation like an extension of of God, or do you feel not quite? In as much as my my understanding of the divine being, whatever you want to call it, Allah, Yahweh, Jehovah, God, God, Brahma, whatever, in as much as my understanding is that this creative force is unknowable, I see myself kind of in in the position of the art can never know the artist. But looking at the art, you can see aspects of the artist in the art. So long answer to your short, to your question is, I don't feel that, you know, you are God, I am God, this tree is God, you know, the stone over here is God. I don't believe that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, disti- there are distinctions here. I do believe that there are elements of God or attributes of God in all of these different things. Mm-hmm. You know, in the stone you find and turn into a beautiful work of art, you know, or in the um, inspired machine that someone comes up with, which serves to um, improve human existence, you know, has an aspect of God in it. But I I don't think it's God in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't the peace of God, but it has attributes, God-like qualities. Hmm. That's That's a really cool idea. I think, you know, you mentioned machines. Mm. Um, and I kind of draw this connection. And I, I want to hear more about that for you too. But saying that a machine in your mind can have God, God-like qualities, even though the machine is built by, you know, human beings for whatever the purpose is. But the fact that it has that, as you said, that mark of its kind of creator Mm -hmm. and you know the sculptures that are here right now um the nine sculptures each with from Mm -hmm. a different material you know half of them are manufactured materials Mm -hmm. steel and aluminum and plexiglass and i in my mind it's kind of the same thing that i'm interested in these modern materials expressing their source or their origin which is the earth and I mean, ultimately, it's like the spirit of nature within the manufactured. Mm-hmm. It still exists there. Right. One of my challenges as an artist is to bring it forth and reveal it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, in my mind, I saw a connection between the machinery having the aspect of, of God or its creator. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the art can't know the artist. Um, that was a, that's an interesting phrase, too. And A little while ago in my audio segment, I mentioned the fact that I see, you know, we are, we are shaped and sculpted by our environments, physically, emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. we're, we're sculptures that were created by the conditions mm-hmm. that we, we mm-hmm. lived in. And then I kind of go back to that or add on to it by further shaping the materials I use. And so it's sort of like this cyclical connection. Mm. Mm. Um, And in that sense, I am just another hand. I'm not the most important hand in the art I make. I'm just another one. And, Mm. Mm. and I I feel I am an important hand, but Mm -hmm. you know, the source of the, the, the seed that the tree grew from, it's like, well, that's where the material was before I got to it. And so yes. that's, that's just as valid. Um, and so I want to ask you a little bit about your connection to material and, you know, you as a builder and as a, a creative, I think you're tremendously creative and you do all kinds of things you always have. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about your connection to like materials and what, you know, why, what, yeah. 
I mean, like all the borders on the unhealthy, (laughs) my connection to material Mm. (laughs) in the sense that, um, leaving Hawaii was, uh, So, okay, so the house in Hawaii was a fairly large house. There's a lot of stuff there, (laughs) a lot of different, there was stone and there was wood and there was metal and there was the earth and there was plants and the orchids and fruit trees. And these are all interesting to me, you know, and rocks and the ocean and so it was a lesson in detachment for me to fit what I could in a seven by seven by four foot box and ship it over here. The attached part of me <laughs> was able to fit an amazing amount of stuff in there. I think the shipping company said it was some sort of record. You know, in a seven by seven, I got over two tons of stuff. In there. You know? It was crazy seeing pictures of that thing. It was like, pretty crazy. You open the door and it's just packed. It was like a Tetris, yeah. you know, three, Tetris in 3D. But anyway, but that's <clears throat> called from a whole two thirds of an acre you know, of material that I had, basically. And so... And and 33 years. 33 years in one place. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, when you talk about... You get a creative idea and you start executing it. And then once you kind of see the finished product in your head, you're ready to move on. You know, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of that going on for me as well. Maybe that's partly where you get it from is that I had all these different interests and I had all these different materials to work with. And so it'd be like, I would develop an interest in photography so then i had a whole dark room this was before before hawaii but i had a dark room and i had a refrigerator full of film and i would wind my own black and white film you never saw them or maybe you saw a fraction of them but mm-hmm. i've got thousands of negatives that i don't know what to do with you know black and white negatives and i got into jewelry and making jewelry. So where did it come from? I think part of it is I feel I've been gifted with the ability to translate um, thoughts and ideas into three dimensions. Um, sometimes to extreme 
you know, I'll spend two hours to make something that would probably cost three dollars to buy. You know, but I made it myself, and I made it out of used materials or whatever. You know, whatever, and it looks cooler than one that was bought. But now I don't know where that comes from, Kamran. I think it's it's some people's ability to see things a certain way. It's some people's ability to say things a certain way. Some people's ability to I don't know, you know, play music. You know, I love music. And having you guys around for that period when you were doing your music, Explore, that was such a gift to me to have you guys there for six months or however long it was. But I can't make music, you know. You guys bought me that ukulele and I kind of poked at it and picked at it for a long time. But I think some of my frustration with that is I think and maybe it's a developmental thing with me. I'm product oriented, not process oriented. Mm. I want to be good right away. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so mm. it's like I don't I don't have the patience to exercise to get stronger. I want to be stronger right away. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm not gonna bother. Mm. You know, so yeah. and that might just be like I said, just a developmental thing I just never grew out of. Mm-hmm. You know, this it's uh, in adolescent psychology, they talk about that that's kind of a typical adolescent quality is product, not process, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that part of the reason, part of my problem with teaching was, you know, I was a good teacher. Kids liked my classes. Administration was basically happy with me. But I couldn't see what I had done. Every day it was sort of the same blank look on the kids' faces. <laughs> you know, and um, I'd talk to my colleagues and they would say, well, you know, 10 years from now, a kid's going to say, oh, Mr. Samimi, you changed my life. And it's like, yeah, but I need it now. <laughs> You know? Can't wait that long. <laughs> I can't wait that long. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's it's born true. I have met past students who mm-hmm. said, "Oh, you are my best teacher, whatever, whatever." You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad you enjoyed it. You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, yeah. Now, I sorry, I'm rambling, but um, I don't know where it comes from, Kamran. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, fair enough. Ever since I was a kid I've enjoyed taking things apart and trying to put them, put them back together so dad I'm curious about you know the day that you came down to Shangri-La um, at the beginning of my residency and I'm not sure how much you remember but um, <laughs> exploring you know exploring the site and uh, just kind of spending time observing soaking it in you know and many of the spaces that I kind of chose to work in were a direct result of that visit with you. Mm. And I know we talked a little bit about that, you know, on, on the phone in the past, mm. um, but, but in particular, you know, the courtyard. And so 
I was just wondering, and, and you've seen some pictures of my exhibition down here and you've read some of my thoughts and my ideas behind the work. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was just wondering if you could kind of share a little bit about your experience at Shangri-La, your feeling or, or perspective on the work that I made down at Shangri-La. Yeah. So, I left Iran when I was four. I was back there in 74. So, um, 20 years later, I was 24 when I was back in Iran, and I had the opportunity to visit some places in Iran. Mm. But the and you say that I and I, I I say it this way because my memory is um, my memory is really bad. I have I have bad memory, but um, you say that I commented on it reminded me of my childhood, and I've tried to get in touch with that comment, and I think that. What I'm, if if I did indeed say that, where it came from was the visual feast of seeing the colors and the intricacy of some of the work down there. Um, I remember as a, I do remember as a child, being taken in by um, Khatim Kari, the. Leslie, I see her nodding. She knows what it is. It's marquetry. It's the, like, they'll make a picture frame, and it's made up of thousands of pieces of little bone and little brass and wood, different colors of wood, all in geometric patterns. And that's always been amazing to me. And then some of the, um, the carving in silver, like silver plates, and, and I've always really, I remember even as a child, them being fascinating to me. And I think that's somehow carried into my present life. I'm digressing, but just to say, it's carried into my present life in that I find small, beautiful things very appealing, mm. like tiny flowers are really beautiful to me, you know, mm. yeah, they're, you know, big, a big head is nice to look at, but to see a bunch of tiny little blue flowers, a tiny little red flowers, like lantanas is, looks really cool to me, mm. you know, and uh, things like that. And so finding beauty in small things or, or appreciating them. Of course, there's a whole history of, Persian miniatures. You know, <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. So it's, maybe it's a DNA link <laughs> of some sort, you know. And so anyway, being there was a sensory feast for me, you know, being at Shangri-La. Um, and then that blue is one of my favorite colors anyway, in that um, piece in the courtyard, the Hayat, um, was especially striking for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I love moving water and having that fountain there was, was like just sort of the, the whole experience. And then the other part that I really liked was that one other courtyard that had the boulders with the water spilling down over them. Boulders. Or rock work or something. There was another mm. side Room. Oh yeah, in the in the by the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really appealing to me. You know, water running is is I connect with that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I was coming from uh, builder of water features for 20 years, you know, and um, how much I, I enjoy and appreciate that, you know. I think Shangri-La needs to be experienced over a period of time. You know, to go sit in a room for a couple of hours and just kind of soak it in and, and leave. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't go anywhere else because then it just kind of detracts from that initial experience. And go to a different space and just sit there, walk around there for a while, and then leave. You know, mm-hmm. and anyway, you know that's exactly what you said. That was so true for me and that's one of the reasons why i feel exceptionally grateful to have 14 months down here is mm-hmm. because i was able to spend the time to do that whereas mm-hmm. you know the first time i visited shangri-la on the the tour um mm-hmm. it was it was so much to see in in an hour you know that it, mm-hmm. it kind of becomes like a blur but right. when i was able to return and and exactly as you said spend two hours sitting in one room and mm-hmm getting to know the room and, mm-hmm. and to feel the room. And then it's like, it's a completely different experience and you can then connect with what you see and then you do that in a different space, as you mentioned. And, and that's, you know, I'm sure you would probably remember those moments better because they would be distinct and separate and mm-hmm. maybe a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's an interesting observation. I'm really curious and excited to see what, you know, I I often say about this residency, it revealed so many things to me and it kind of answered some of my questions, but more than that, it provided me with new, better questions. And so I'm really curious to see what, you know, how those questions are, are answered or maybe expanded uh, and, and continued to develop over time now that, you know, my, my practice as an artist has expanded. And so I look, I look forward to, you know, as I always do to talk with you about what I'm working on. And yeah, I mean, that's always been a really meaningful part of our relationship is having you come help me on projects or even Mm -hmm. if it's just kind of like a material consultation, like how do I build Uh it? You know, right. How, how should I do this thing? Um, well, I, I, I appreciate. How should I? Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate the opportunity to do that because, in a sense, I get to vicariously be part of the piece, you know, or be part of your artwork or whatever it is, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm grateful. And I, I appreciate you asking me to speak today wow. and to speak with you, you know. And, so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, look forward to many, many more conversations <laughs> about your art.
Yeah, of course. And about life and about my art mm-hmm. and about my life. <laughs> exactly. And, the, and the, the fact that the two are not separate. They are, They're not separate. You know, art is an no. extent, extension of life. We're all artists. We just do different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Thanks, son. Thanks, Dad. I'll okay. talk to you soon. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this series of in-depth conversations exploring the work of Kamran Samimi. At the time of recording, we're still physically close to the public. For more information about our museum or to experience Kamran's exhibition virtually, please visit shangrilahawaii.org. Thank you.